Hello, you're listening to the Solid Word Bible Church podcast. Whether you're at work, driving in your car, or getting your workout on, we hope and pray that what you hear today will fill your spirit. Come, join us as we walk through God's Word together. So Acts chapter 2, um, we will be looking at um, sections of, I will not be going through all those verses. We will, we will be looking at verses 14 to 41. It is a section. And I am titling this Jesus' Witnesses. Because what we see here is what Jesus said would happen, happening. And for those of us that want to think that somehow God may not keep his word, that Jesus may not, that somehow he's missing out on fulfilling his word, here's one of those times when what he said not long after actually came to pass in detail. Remember now what he said. Acts 1.8, he said, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and the sentence wasn't finished, you will be my witnesses. Then he said, where? And then what happened? He told them to go to Jerusalem and wait. And so they did. And what he said came about, we saw that when the Spirit came so that the Spirit would not just rest on certain people, but came to be for all people, that what Jesus said came to pass. As a matter of fact, it came in a way where he made known his intention of a global, all-ethnicity um, proclaiming gospel so that everyone would hear it and that many would have a chance to be saved. And so on that day, all these people came, heard, and were amazed. We said last week what they heard was the glorious works of God being proclaimed. We don't know all of what that meant, but here's what we do know. They were both amazed and confused. They were amazed that they sat there in a room full of what they believed to be uneducated folk or folk that should not be doing what they were doing. And because of that, they were amazed. But they were also confused because we were hearing them proclaiming this God in different languages. It wasn't in the one language or the dominant language or the preferred language. Everyone, he said, everyone heard in their own language. Coming from one of the 120 that were in the room. And so some being confused, some not understanding, some not knowing what's going on, decided to mock, which is what happens. And we said last week that opposition comes right in the center and the heart of God moving. You have to expect that. When God is moving gloriously, you have to expect opposition to come strongly. And this was... No different. It came. They said, ah, oh, these people are drunk, which still amazes me that the last time I checked, drunk people don't get super educated. That somehow because they had 
too much wine, too much of that good stuff, all of a sudden they started speaking languages they never even could remotely talk about, read, write, anything. But here they are speaking, and they're proclaiming the same thing or the same one God. But we saw last week God's intention. And just remember with that, too, I love this. As I was reading this week, one of the things that stood out, many times, be careful, we seek miracles. We, we want miracles, signs, and wonders because that's the focus because it just proclaims that God is here. Can I tell you that these people saw an extreme miracle, an act, a wonder, a sign, and still some were like, oh, this is crazy. Miracles don't ultimately convince. Miracles will get your attention, which is what was intended here. And I don't despise, nor do I put down miracles, because they are sometimes in scriptures, uh, Minister Charles, you know that, they will call them attesting signs. What are they attesting to? They're attesting to the fact that God is present that he is here. The miracles are signs to get your attention. You've heard me say, when you're driving down the highway and you see a sign like the big H with a circle around it that means hospital, you don't stop there expecting to be helped by a medical professional at that sign. That sign is pointing you where to go. And so for many of us today that get ourselves obsessed with miracles, Miracles are not bad, but they are signposts to direct you to the God of the miracle who can do more for you than that miracle is going to do in you and for you. And so they saw this, and then we get what Jesus promised in Acts 1.8, and our title today, Jesus' Witnesses. And we start off at verse, I love it, at verse 14. And it says, but Peter. Is it up there? Yeah. But Peter. I could stop and spend a whole lot of time. I'm not, but there. Because in contrast, understand this, in contrast to the opposition in contrast to people mocking, in contrast to people saying what we're witnessing is crazy, Luke contrasts this with a guy who not that long ago, when he was singled out for his association with the group, Luke uses him as a contrast to the mocking. Remember, before, when the young girl calls him out, he's like, I don't know. I, I have nothing to do with them people. As a matter of fact, he wanted to prove his point, so he starts cussing. See, I can't be one of them. But we get right here when we start this off. Jesus says, you will be empowered when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses. What just happened? Let's see. Wait. They were empowered because the Holy Spirit came upon them. Wow. Just like Jesus said. And all of a sudden, Peter becomes a witness. I love it that the first one to stand up 
was the one to run earlier. What's the difference? The Holy Spirit. That's what he's showing. What's the difference? What's the difference between you before Christ and you after Christ and what he has called you to do? You before Christ, well, you can look at what that was like. I know what it was like for me as well. I was not one to stand up in front of crowds. As a matter of fact, I think what I'm doing now really hilarious. Because I would never, growing up, choose this, ever. Y'all have heard me say, and those who know me from a child know the extreme stutterer I was. There was no way under God's green earth that I would want to stand up in front of five of y'all and say anything. More or less, much more than that. What's the difference? Me before the Holy Spirit. Me after. You all have your own story. And he says, but Peter. But Peter what? It says, but Peter standing with the 11. Don't take that lightly. Luke wants you to see the difference. Because prior to the crucifixion, prior to the resurrection, Peter kept standing apart from the 11. Remember when he said, you know, that all you would run, and he said, not me, Lord. Not, I'm not like them. I'm your ride or die. I'm going to be with you to the end. And then Jesus had to give a little truth into the situation. No, Peter, you, you, you're going to run to actually, you're going to verbally deny me. They may run. You're going to tell folk you have nothing to do with me. And so Peter kept singling himself out apart from the 11. And look at what Jesus caused him to do when the Spirit came in him. Now he's standing with him. Now they're in unity. Why? Because he taught them. He taught them, you guys need to do it together. Now he remembers all those periods of instruction, all those periods of of, of Jesus speaking, and then after the resurrection, those times in which Jesus was with them, they all begin to sink in because that was Peter's sermon prep time. Those of us who preach understand sermon prep time. Peter's sermon prep time was that time now that he realized that Jesus is indeed the Messiah and how the scriptures from old had demonstrated and proved it, and he was putting it all together. And all of a sudden, the Spirit of God enabled him, and now he's ready. And I will say today, I just want to focus on the different aspects of being a witness. First of all, Peter, along with the 11, he was a bold witness. Why? Because he was a spirit-empowered witness. See, your great oratory skills, your great research skills, your great being able to win over people, your likableness is nothing when it comes to the kingdom of God. Zero. All of your wit, all of your charm, all of your success, all of that is zero unless the Spirit of God enables you to accomplish his work. Oh, you might move a crowd. You might win over people. 
You might get folks to come alongside you, but if you are going to accomplish God's work, you have to be empowered by his spirit. You must be dependent on the spirit of God. Your logic won't kick it. Oh, God will use your logic, yes. God will use your great speaking skills, yes. But how many times have we seen in Scripture where God has used people who were not skilled? We just saw it. He just used a bunch of Galileans to them, no offense for anyone out here, to them just a bunch of old country folk that were never educated. That was a Galilean. And so he chose them to blow the minds of everyone in the room. Why? Because what he was demonstrated is the spirit empowering you will cause you to do things that will make people go, what is happening here? And so they were a bold witness. Can I tell you, those things that you think, oh God, I can't do it, and you really sense God calling you to it, God, I can't do it, yet you, two things. Number one, you're right, you can't. But number two, he can if you allow him. Number one, you can't. You're right. Just go in and settle it. You can't. And when Satan comes with those, you know you can't do this. Boy, what's wrong with you? That's what I heard. Kidding me? You going to get up and preach to people? What? You going to get to word two and start stuttering? It's like, you know God didn't call you to this. Why would he call you and you can't talk? I don't know, but. And as I tell folks, it is amazing. Y'all can medically figure it out. That's okay. But my stuttering greatly decreased and almost ceased when I started proclaiming God's word. I, I just, as, as scared and afraid as I was, as I was like, God, you, you, you've lost. I almost said, God, this ain't you. But I knew that it was find it interesting and even my siblings my family just go how how does that work i tell them you're talking to the wrong person bro you need to be talking to jesus and see for you guys whatever it is here it is i like but peter standing with the 11 that didn't seem right well of course it did because now he's empowered by the spirit what is god wanting you to do that you are too busy saying you can't because you don't have the power to accomplish it What he's waiting for is you to say, I know I can't, but you can. So Peter, standing with the 11, lifted up his voice and addressed them. Remember, he was a confident, he was a bold witness, and he was a confident witness. Why? Because now he tells them, listen to me. This is the guy who failed Christ miserably. He didn't want anybody to hear him say anything. Now, all of a sudden, he says, listen to me. You need to hear what I've got to say. Now, all of a sudden, did Peter just get arrogant? No, Peter just received the Holy Spirit. And now everything began to put together and made sense into what he was supposed to say. All those scriptures came back. All those things that Jesus said and did begin to now be pieced together. And all of a sudden, he has himself a message. He says... 
Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and give ear to my words, for these people are not drunk. And then he gets a little humorous, as you suppose, since it is only the third hour of the day. What he is saying is, so, you know, these folk can't be drunk since it's only 9 o'clock a.m. for us. Now, I know for some folk out there, they'll be like, well, what's wrong with the drink at 9 a.m.? We got a word for that. <laughs> Starts with an A. I know for some of you guys, it was like, but what about mimosas? I'm not talking about, I'm talking about getting drunk. <laughs> Look, I'm beating y'all to the punch. Mm-hmm. And he says to them, listen. I want you to hear. Then what he does next is he is a witness to the scriptures. You know, I'm sorry, but I am really tired of folk that get up here in spaces like this and think it is supposed to be Def Jam Comedy Club. Or you get up here and it's entertainment time and it is like evening at the Apollo or something. This is not entertainment. And if you are here to be entertained, I pray that the Lord captures your heart. Oh, I'm not saying that people bore you with the word of God either. Because that's a hard thing. How do you bore someone with the living word when you're either not powered or not prepared? And so Peter being empowered and being prepared, he gets up and what does he share? He shares the scriptures. You say, well, they didn't have a New Testament. Well, that wasn't considered scripture then. What was scripture, what we call the Old Testament, he shared. He takes them to the writings of Joel, the prophet. And he says to them, now he is a witness to scripture because that's the content of his message. He said, I'm going to take you because they all would knew what you see being fulfilled is what was prophesied by the prophet Joel. And for us, that would be Joel chapter 2, verses 28 to 32. You can read it later. And he begins to quote it. And he begins to tell them God is fulfilling that today. All of those Jews standing in that room would have known Joel it was regular education in your upbringing as a Jewish person. You would understand it greatly as a prophecy. And he says, verse 17, and in the last days it shall be, God declares, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. And that all flesh takes you back to all those in the room, all the languages that were heard, all of them proclaiming the word of God. And that word all is intentional because Joel the prophet said, all flesh. Now, instead of particular people for service, instead of just the prophet that the Spirit of God would come upon so that they could proclaim God's will and God's word, now the Spirit is coming on all flesh to do the same thing, to proclaim God's word and his will. The only difference is whom he's using. Up until this time, there were just specific people prophets and then of course his ultimate prophet priest and king Christ Jesus came and made it possible that all of us 
could now proclaim. This is not just the pastor's job. All of you, at some point, to someone or some group of people can proclaim, can promote, can prophesy. What do you mean that I'm going to tell the future? No, it's a foretelling. It is a proclamation of. For many of us, that word has been hijacked and said it only means this. No, he says, you will proclaim and bring forth my word so that people will know. And it's coming to pass. And he takes them through that so that they would be this witness. And he says, you are seeing what happened. But then he takes them to the center point of his message. Not only was he a bold and a confident witness, and he was a witness to the scripture. Centerpiece, he was a witness to Jesus being the center of it all. He wasn't given a good um, hmm, this is a great self-help message. This is a you're going to get yours today message. This is going to be, you know, everything is going to be all right message. No, he was like, this is a Jesus message. Because he took it from, yes, what you're seeing is prophecy fulfilled. But let me tell you how it's being ultimately fulfilled. And he takes them right to Jesus. And he begins to talk about him. And he says, go down to verse 22. Men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you. That's that word again. Attested to you by God with mighty works and wonders and signs that God did through him in your midst as you yourselves know. Look at it. He says that. That, that Jesus did those signs and wonders. He was the miracle man, but it was for a point. Why? That he was attesting that he was sent by God. How do I know that too? Because his life matched his message. We got folk out here today claiming to be miracle workers. And their lives resemble more the enemy than they do Christ. In their lifestyle. Don't just listen to people's words. Look at their lifestyle. Seriously, look at their lifestyle. I'm not saying that their lifestyle will be perfect, but it better be consistent. It better be matching the word of God that they are proclaiming. If it is not, you should have pause. He says, a man attested. This Jesus, verse 23, delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God, you crucified and killed. I like that. He says, God's plan against your actions. I know you in your hearts, and he's saying you, the Jewish people, you in your hearts thought you were killing him, but what you didn't realize that God was carrying out his plan. So how can that be? How is it sin for them if God is carrying out his plan? Because you in your heart were sinning. Even if you are being used by God to accomplish his plan, when you in your heart are working out of sin, it is sin for you. Even when God is accomplishing his plan. Well, God's plan worked out. Yeah, but bro, you were in sin. Look, God's plan worked that there would be one of the 12 that would betray him. But he said, but woe to the one. That is that person. And so for you and I today, we realize, please, 
You want to be a part of God's plan. You just don't want to be that part of his plan. Oh. And so he attests to Jesus. He talks about this man, and he continues on. He says, you crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. Verse 24, God raised up, loosing the pangs of death because it was not possible for him to be held. And so he was using that Joel scripture first to tell him what was happening. Then he uses actually Psalm 16, verses 8 through 11, to tell you that this whole deal was by plan. He says, and I love this one, you go read it later, Psalm 16, 8 through 11. David, speaking about what they thought was just him, wasn't talking about just him. David was speaking not only prophetically about the coming Messiah and Savior, but David knew the greater extent of what he was actually proclaiming way back then. Peter is now giving us, it is now interpreting Psalm 116 in its fullest measure. Talk about spirit empowerment. Look at what it says. He says, verse 25, For David says concerning him, I saw the Lord always before me, for he is at my right hand that I may not be shaken. Therefore, my heart was glad and my tongue rejoiced. My flesh also will dwell in hope, for you will not abandon my soul to Hades or let your Holy One see corruption. You have made known to me the path of life. You will make me full of gladness with your presence. And folks, when that was read, just thought he was talking about David. David realized when he wrote it that he wasn't. Look at what Peter says. Brothers, I may say to you with confidence about the patriarch David that he both died and was buried, and his tomb is with us to this day. Being therefore a prophet and knowing that God has sworn with an oath to him, David, that he would set one of his descendants on his throne, he, David, foresaw and spoke about the resurrection of Christ, that he was not abandoned to Hades, nor did his flesh see corruption. David understood when he wrote it then that this was not about him, but about the coming and resurrected Messiah. I'm loving this. David saw the resurrection before Jesus was even born. The plan of God. You see the sovereignty of God? What just came to my mind, we looked at those images of Haiti and our heart breaks. But when I have a God that thousands of years before Jesus even gets on the scene, he is prophesying his death and resurrection in detail. That same God of that is that God who is handling Haiti who is handling the people that are in stress, the people that are in response to sin being wreaked upon them. You know what he's telling us? Trust me. Trust me. It doesn't look like it, but trust me. And so he witnessed to Jesus the Messiah, the gospel, the centerpiece of it. And he says that this was God's plan for what he wanted to do. And here what he also did, he was a witness to the mission that was at hand. Jump down for me to verse 36. Because after all that, interpreting scripture, explaining what you saw, going in on the miracle, all that would be 
I mean, all that would fall short if, if he didn't conclude with verse 36. And this is the mission. 36 says, let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. He just set the message, y'all, everyone is in sin. And what happens? I love this. Now, when they heard this, what this, the message preached by the empowering of the Holy Spirit, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, brothers, what shall we do? And so you'll say it was his first altar call. Peter didn't call for anything. They called for Peter. He said, oh, wait, 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 wait. We just heard the word, wow, cut. Who cut him, Peter? No, the Holy Spirit. Remember, the Spirit of God is at work. Who cut their hearts? Who hit them with conviction? Who is the one that laid on them that they realized that they were sinful? Can I tell y'all, stop trying to convince people that they're sinful? Give them the Word of God, being empowered by the Spirit of God, and God knows how to let them know they're sinners. You and I are not the Holy Spirit. He did not call us to convict anyone. Now, preach the word in its totality and in its truth and watch what God does. As a matter of fact, you and I are not even responsible that people turn and they come to Christ. He just tells us to preach. And if you win over a soul, you are wise. But you and I save no one. And so the deal for us today is if we are, if we are, if we stand truthful to proclaiming the word of God and living the word of God as consistently as we can, God will use that to bring others to him at his choosing. God, I've been preaching forever and there's only one person came to the Lord. That's all the Lord wanted, partner. And then we like to spiritualize it. That, that one person is going to go do great things. He may not. Because we are, we are just enamored with greatness. You know, I was reading um, just recently. Me and Brother Mark was talking about this with the passing um, of our brother Tim Keller. And some of his last words that he said, someone had shared, and he said to those that were standing around his family, do not seek greatness. That's what he said. He talked about seeking to be faithful. This is a society where we seek greatness. We tell our kids, go and be great. And there's nothing wrong with doing great things. I am not in any means saying don't aspire to do things well, but if your goal is greatness, somehow you're going to try to eclipse God in that. Your goal should be do what God has given you to do to the best that he has enabled you to do it without any flinching. And if it makes you great, great. If it doesn't, Lord, that's on you. Instead, I put all this work, God, why ain't no one noticing it? Could it be I don't want anyone to notice it because you want people to notice it? <laughs> See, the issue becomes he calls you and I to be faithful to his word and his mission and his commission. Go. 
I know there are people who have served in countries where it is hard and long to see the gospel actually preached and reached. And they may see just a handful of people come to Christ and somehow we go, that was a wasted life. Really? A handful of people that get to spend eternity with Jesus and will probably go on to influence other people? How many of you talk about I mean, and have heard of D.L. Moody, Dwight L. Moody? Of course, his name is the one that the school bears, Moody Bible Institute. How many of you know the name of the brother that he worked with that led him to Christ? See, I just, no one. I mean, there are few people that know it because they've talked about it. But the guy who kept coming and the one who led him, no one talks about. And you know what? That's good. That's okay. Because he was there to make sure that the gospel was preached to this guy who he didn't know what Dwight was going to do. He's going to be great. He didn't know that. All he knew, it was an opportunity to share his faith. And for you and I today, that's what we have. We come down to a close with this. The witness to proclaim Jesus. And then he says, lastly, we are a witness hmm, to tell people how to respond to the gospel. Peter says in verse 38, and Peter said to them, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And I love this because remember, the gift was just given and you like you too will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit because you and I are not any of his if the Spirit of God is not in us and we can't demand the Spirit come in us. He is gifted to us, a gift that we don't deserve. And he says to them, hmm, He says to them at the end, as my last witness, Peter was a witness to God adding to the church. It says in verse 40, and many, and, and with many other words, he bore witness and continued to exhort them, saying, Save yourselves from this crooked generation. Verse 41, so those who received his word were baptized. Can I stop there for a second? He says, for those who received this word, which means that there were also some that did not receive it. Okay. There are going to be some that don't receive the word that you proclaim of Christ. Don't get bent out of shape. He said those that received his word were baptized. They responded in obedience. Remember, he said repent and be baptized. And what happened? They repented and were baptized. It was the obedience to the word that they heard proclaimed about Christ. And what happened? He said that day. I love this. He says, verse 41, and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. We would flip backwards. That's a, that's a mega church. In one day, a mega church started. One day, God is like, y'all calm down. Church growth strategies. I understand what folk mean with them. I, just, I, I, I don't want, you know, here's a church growth strategy for you. Preach the gospel by the power of the Holy Spirit, 
not allowing yourself to be tainted by the world, but to be obedient to the word of God, and God will grow it as he chooses. God will grow it as he chooses. I'm going to go ahead to these trees. How to get more leaves on your tree. Let me tell you how to do that. Make sure the soil is good. Make sure it gets good nutrients. It has good access to sunlight and some shade, and it will produce what it was supposed to produce. See, now the deal is that is not a recipe for laziness. Well, you know, God's going to do as I ain't got to do nothing. No. Mm -mm. What he's saying is you be obedient to what God is calling you to do. And I love this. Leave the growth to me. Leave people coming to him. So for you and I today, what does that mean? He said there were 3,000 souls added. I love this. Peter didn't get up and was like, I preached and 3,000 came to Jesus. Man, Billy Graham ain't got nothing on this dude. 3,000? But Peter didn't get beside himself. Why? Because he was empowered by the Spirit. He was probably amazed. Wow, 3,000 of y'all. How do you even count that? I was like, wow, what? that many people were around. Now, we know that they weren't all in the room. By then now, they're probably outside. And then there's also, we don't know how it happened. It, was he talking? He said with many words, Peter just kept talking. He was like, I'm just going to keep proclaiming. And they just kept coming. Some of the baptism service. He says, and they were, they repented and were all baptized. Wow. Y'all got enough water for that? I'm just like, they would just, just drop all over. I just can't even imagine. I'm sitting there just going, this must have been a festival. I was like, this would have been great. How do you top this, Lord? He was like, just wait. Here's my point. You see the spirit at work when we are obedient. I don't know what he's going to do. Is this going to be a two-person day or a 3,000 day? Is this going to be a five-day or a no-one-comes day? Here's the point. That's none of your business. Here's your business. Are you being a witness that is bold and confident because you've been empowered by the Holy Spirit? Are you a witness that focuses on the scripture? Are you a witness that focuses on Jesus Christ as the centerpiece and the gospel and what he did, letting people know that they are in sin and need to repent? Are you a witness to close it with telling people what they need to do to come to Christ. And then lastly, are you a witness to how God will cause it to grow? For me, I said, that takes the pressure off. All you got to do is be faithful. You don't need to be great. You don't even need to be successful. You will be, but you ain't got to try to be. Faithfulness leads to success in the kingdom of God. Faithfulness leads to success in the kingdom of God. And here, even when it doesn't look like it, there are people that look at Jesus' life and said, man, what a waste. He had 12. He got killed early. All the people ran until you see the resurrection. And once you see the resurrection, you realize the great success that he is. You realize that he took a small group and with that changed the world. Why? Because he, he was obedient. Scripture tells us he was obedient unto death, even death on a cross. 
So what's it going to be for you? Is your obedience determined by what you can get, see, or be accredited for? Or are you going to be faithful regardless because God has called you to an unstoppable mission? Let's pray. Father, thank you. You've been listening to the Solid Word Bible Church podcast, and we trust that you've been blessed. If you'd like to learn more about us, you can visit our website at solidword.org. Thank you for joining us today, and we'll see you next week.